Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I nipped into a boutique burger joint recently. I hadn't eaten much that day, so the sums in my head added up happily to a strong yes vote on the question of a lunchtime treat. I'd spent much of the morning interviewing a Holocaust survivor, would you believe, for my podcast, The Nitty Gritty Committee. He'd tracked back through the years of degradation and starvation he'd suffered, telling the stories he'd told so many times before, stories we both worried had been told too many times and somehow didn't seem to startle as they once had. I was very present, please don't misunderstand me, but I was also sitting happily with the knowledge that I was going to satisfy my own demon that day. Yes, as I listened to a man talk about his youthful hunger, about digging up a dead, diseased concentration camp guard dog and secretly eating it in the dark of night, knowing that discovery would mean his own death, I rocked gently with the anticipation of my overpriced lunch. Would I have chips? Of course! Which sauce would I have? The creamiest one. Much softer, but still clearly audible. Why do you trust your numbers? Any reflective surface will tell you they don't add up. You, madam, do not understand the numbers. You don't understand anything. Nope, I refocus. The numbers definitely add up today. I've been over them and over them. It's absolutely okay for me to eat the hamburger and by Christ, I am eating it. I drove the short distance from the Holocaust Centre to the burger bar. Euphoric. I yanked my car into the parallel park out front in one fluid movement, like a Jedi through a water slide. Once inside, I moved with precision. There was no agonising consideration of the menu. I knew exactly what I was there for, and I was in no mood to dilly-dally. The numbers didn't often add up this well on a day I happened to be in the vicinity of this hamburger. Who knew when the stars would align like this again, if ever? I wasn't interested in playing coy. I strode to the counter, which was helpfully vacant, from the customer's side, and I placed my order. With all the confidence and authority of a five-star general about to claim a pointless island in the middle of an overwhelming sea. The girl took my order in the same vein. She was attentive and efficient and seemed to understand the seriousness of the mission. In retrospect, though, I wonder if she was really focused on her engagement with me or just focused on not engaging with someone else. A certain elephant in the room, perhaps. I started stuffing my change into my wallet and I moved to a seat, counting down the minutes to my escape. I tried to stay calm, but I was pretty excited by this point, visualising myself accepting my bag of goodies and walking calmly to my car. It didn't occur to me to eat inside the burger place. Well, it wouldn't. My mother never failed to pass comment when she saw a fat person eating in public, so I learned early and I learned well that my eating had to be done in private, in secret, 
the more exciting the eating, the more imperative the privacy. As I was saying, eventually when my number was called, I'd accept my bag, walk calmly to my car, drive to a car park by the beach and indulge myself in peace, away from disapproving eyes. Even the ordering and buying of the food was humiliating. I tried to act natural as though I didn't realise I was committing a crime against human decency. Better to appear ignorant than willful, I always think. After I'd settled into a chair to wait, I decided it was time to throw my head up and check out the lay of the land. Was anyone looking at me? Was anyone judging me? Horror of horrors, did anyone in the cafe know me? It was then that I saw her, sitting a few tables away. I realised that in my self-consciousness, I'd missed the sizzle in the air. It was the kind of sizzle one feels when entering any mode of transport upon which one passenger has been demonstrating their unmedicated mental illness for the other passengers. You know the vibe. You know when you jump on a train and you wonder why all the passengers are crammed together down the other end of the carriage. And then you realise you've almost tripped over a man in a silk nightie, masturbating and singing I Still Call Australia Home. You scarper down the aisle to huddle with the others and invest everything you have in your phone or a grotty discarded magazine or just the weird stains on the floor, even though you want more than anything to look at him and really take him in. And so it was in the cafe that day. Everyone in the joint was trying to tune in to the girl sitting closest to the counter without actually looking at her. You could have heard a pin drop. Coincidentally, as my gaze found her, she ventured a quick look around the room herself. She knew, as she must always know, that she was fascinating people. She was scaring them. She was confounding and confronting them. And in this of all contexts, she was really fascinating people. The girl was anorexic. I'm not sure how adjectives work with a word like that in polite society. I want to tell you that she was fully anorexic or properly anorexic. I want to convey to you without equivocation that this was not simply a skinny chick upon whom I'm flippantly bestowing the title. This girl was the real deal. This girl's skin was so pale there was no trace of pinkness about it at all. It was blue. I'm quite sure of it because I bucked convention and I looked. In fact... I drank her in, taking mental notes so that my memory would be clear. Under both eyes were dark circles that seemed to drip downwards toward her sharp jaw. Bones protruded from her cheeks and the very workings of the muscles and ligaments covering her skull were clearly visible as she chewed her fingernails for comfort. The sleeve of her jumper dangled from her bony wrist as she scratched at her neck with long fingers, each finger with a red and swollen oversized knot for a knuckle. She moved to scratch the back of her neck, revealing round vertebrae that looked like they were trying to release themselves from her skin. Our eyes met briefly as she scanned the room, and remarkably, it was she who looked away in shame. I did not expect her to look away quickly, to bite her lip, pull her jumper down tight over her hands and knees, to pull in her elbows and arms to shield her, to shake her hair down over her face and jiggle her legs. I didn't expect her to commence the unmistakable nervous reaction checklist of the physically ashamed. I've always been bitter about anorexia, to tell you the truth. I fantasised about it as a teenager, as I suspect most of us did. I tried really, really hard to get it. Unfortunately, I have a different eating disorder. I don't think mine even has a name. There are no Tumblr sites dedicated to its glory, that's for sure. Anorexia is an overabundance of virtuous traits like willpower, self-discipline and tenacity, whereas whatever I've got is associated with laziness, overindulgence and weakness. Anorexia is the result of extended effort and commitment. Whatever I've got is a dreaded consequence of giving up. 
Anorexia is a complaint of supermodels and actresses. What I've got is the subject of endless nightly news stories about the draining of public resources and airplane seats. These are the undercurrents I've lived by in cursing the gods for bestowing the less glamorous eating disorder on me. The one without a name. The one that's never in fashion. The one that lives the furthest from perfection. So why wasn't she acting victorious? The girl at the burger place, like a person who'd conquered not only her human cravings, but part of her actual life force. I mean, I've always thought that if I managed to do that, I'd feel victorious. But she was acting self-consciously, like she was desperate for this bit to be over. She was acting like a lot of thought had gone into this hamburger, a lot of adding up of numbers. She was acting like this was an awkward precursor to a very private ritual she was ashamed of. She was acting like me. That's right, guys. It's epiphany time. I really, truly, abruptly, life-changingly recognised myself in that tiny girl. Oh, my God, I thought. I very nearly said it out loud, actually. You and I are fighting the same demon. But we're using different tools. The only tools we've been able to master. I don't pretend to know how that particular demon grows and overwhelms some of us and if I'd figured out how to change tools I probably wouldn't be writing this but I feel like finding compassion and commonality with that girl has unlocked something significant within me. The isolation and otherness of the disorders that dare not speak their names or even have names, that's what will kill you in the end. I'm certain of it. I wanted to hug her in that moment. I wanted to tell her I knew. I knew she didn't feel successful like I always thought she would. I wanted to tell her I knew she felt trapped and embarrassed by her own body and probably dreamt sometimes of climbing out of it once and for all. I wanted to tell her I knew what it was like to wonder what people were thinking when they saw you order a hamburger. Weirdly, I wanted to tell her I loved her. I couldn't say anything to her though. I knew she wouldn't have wanted it. She wouldn't have wanted me to draw attention to her or admit to her face what she begs the rest of us to ignore. I know because I was begging her to ignore me too. So both of us waited for our orders and when they were called we stood up to receive them. We tried to pretend that our being there was insignificant. We hid our parcels under our arms as we walked calmly to our cars. We drove off for some privacy in which to indulge our demon no doubt disposing carefully of the wrappers so as not to remind ourselves later of what we'd done. And all the while, just a few blocks away, an old man pondered his place in history. He once dug up and ate a diseased, dead dog, and he couldn't be prouder of it. I wondered as I drove away what he'd make of two free and healthy young women who believed that food was their enemy. I'm Michelle Laurie and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee Stories about the guts and the glory of life That's a piece I wrote for the drum website The Dear Departed drum website And uh, it's pertinent today because I was contacted on Twitter by a lady called Jay Who's a listener to the podcast And uh, she contacted me to say that she had a story I might be interested in Then she told me that her story is about anorexia. She is a survivor herself. And I thought, you know what, Jay, for so many reasons, I am really interested in your story. So we got together and we recorded this conversation. Thank you so much for contacting me. Thank you for having me. Nah, I mean, you've got a 
interesting story to tell that is like also very fascinating to me personally mm-hmm. you know so you read the piece that I wrote for the drum I did I did read that and I what yeah. do you think? I th- think it was really interesting because, mm. you know, I recognise a lot of the traits that you kind of mentioned about the physical appearance of the person and, and how they acted and, you know, even the clothing, you know, down to the jumper and things like that. Yeah. But I also kind of recognise that, you know, I think with eating disorders, there's a two-phase element which a lot of people don't realise. And no. I think I didn't realise myself until I went through the process that it kind of at the start it's um, – minimizing what you're eating and and somehow purging that whether it's um some people vomit and or others um over exercise and i kind of fell into that over exercising um mm. category whereas this person i feel that she's kind of going into the second phase where it could be the binge eating so it's like everything that you've done before in terms of minimizing your food intake your body kind of shuts down and it wants everything so you kind of yeah. go from one extreme to another what do you think about the idea that I um, looked at her and decided she was anorexic? Because I took a lot of heat online yeah. for that. A lot of people saying, you don't know her, you don't know anything about her. I mean, I don't know, was that rude? No, I don't think so at all. Because I think a lot of people, when they do see somebody that that does have those characteristics, do think of that. But for that person, they might not realise it themselves. I know yeah. personally when I was going through all of that, if somebody ever said to me, oh, you look anorexic or anything like that, I was kind of in denial. I just thought, because growing up, I was always kind of a chubby kid. So I always thought, oh, well, you know, look at me. I'm finally like everybody else. What I perceived as normal, you know, inverted commas, back then, I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm I'm finally, you know, can fit into extra small, extra, extra small. And for me, that was something that I thought was really good at the time. But not until now do I look back and I look at photos where I thought oh my gosh I looked huge and you know at the time and then I look now and I was like oh my gosh I was so skinny back then wow okay let's start at the beginning okay so you're a chubby kid yeah chubby kid never really thought anything of it just thought this is my body and this is what it is um what age did you start to think oh there's something wrong with my body um well growing up I was from a European background so you know they kind of the way that they show love is through food yeah so every time you go they want to feed you and if you don't eat there's obviously something wrong with you so I guess I didn't really I guess when I was in primary school I moved schools and that was a huge transition for me Um, I went from a place where I had a lot of friends moving in grade five where I went to a school where um, I knew nobody I think the area that I went into it was kind of um, kind of like an upper class area where they weren't really accepting of other people Mm. and I did notice that my body was different to everybody else's um, but not it, it didn't bother me it was I wasn't like oh my gosh I'm so chubby or, or this or that it wasn't until really and and I guess I'd need to put this like disclaimer on this is I'm no one's fault for for all of this like I'm not blaming anybody for what's happened obviously it's all me um but w- there but, was a gym <laughs> there was okay. a gym that opened up near our near our house and mm. um, my mum thought it would be a good idea for me and my sister and her to go as like an activity to do and yeah. this was when I had finished high school and you know going through um, just about to start uni so I, I had never had an interest in the gym um, but we all did it as something that we do together but of course with my personality I'm kind of an all or nothing person so I kind of did it and really enjoyed it never thought I'd enjoy the gym and um, I just 
took it one step further than everyone else and you know instead of going two days I went three days and then it turned into four five six and um, my food instead of having you know for example if we were having chicken schnitzel for dinner I'd have like grilled chicken like try to turn it into healthy alternatives and so then you made it all the way through high school made it all the way through wow. high school okay made it all the way through high school um, even going to a girl's school as well. So wow. that's surprising. Yeah, I did notice like a few people th- through high school did have eating disorders. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. I just saw them as, okay, there were girls that I didn't think that they were chubby or anything beforehand, but now they're wearing lots of layers of clothing. Because one of the things that um, when you do have an eating disorder is um, your blood starts, sh- um, the blood flow starts shutting down with your arms and your, and your feet um first yeah so they're always wearing jumpers and layers always cold so (coughs) and i've noticed the um fingers sort of purple little fingers purple yeah and as you said in the in your article Mm. with the knuckles as well Mm. yeah so purpley blue um so yeah i noticed that at high school but then yeah when i was going through my transition i was um yeah i just kind of took it a step further than everyone else and and it kind of spurred me on when people started saying to me oh you look really good and I was kind of like well beforehand you know what what did I look like what did people think I looked like so when people say oh you look really good um I was kind of like oh cool (coughs) people were people are noticing um you know that I'm looking a bit different did Um, you get um attention from boys like and had you had it before I never had it before went to an all-girl of course went to an all-girl high school uni they'll start starting to be um boys around that I never really interacted with before but it's interesting that you bring that up because at uni I did start dating somebody and I thought I bet you if this was my pre-gym body I wouldn't have got this attention so that was kind of that kind of um, solidified it for me and I was like okay you know that everyone else has boyfriends and maybe now that I'm smaller I I can get a boyfriend too not Mm. that that was a goal for me or anything like that but I just thought oh my gosh I'm getting attention yeah but little at that time did I realize that you went to an all-girls school yeah you didn't (laughs) really go out much you know because you're studying so much and you know you haven't really interacted (coughs) with guys before so Mm. so it was natural that you hadn't had a boyfriend yet. exactly right exactly right but in my head I was like oh my gosh I'm getting attention because look at the size (laughs) of me you know so, so this is during the gym days. Still. Yeah, this was during the gym days. And the gym days were pretty extreme days. Um, uh, I mean, for me, as I said earlier, that my way of purging was through exercise. So I would do up to four, four hours a day in oh exercise, which is really exhausting as well. So and no one at the gym said, go home, mate? Um, I, I, I went to the point at the gym that they said, listen, I don't think you really need to to be here all the time and I was like you know it's really good for my mind and you know all of those kind of excuses that I made yeah and I was just like it's a bit of me time I don't really go out party or anything like that so this is my time for me Mm. but yeah they did and and you know later on I think my mum put a self-imposed ban on me going to the gym um once I got quite yeah too skinny um (coughs) but yeah so but Mm. before that no one really said much you know they kind of they were very they were tiptoed around me and I think that's what people do around people that do have an eating disorder because well, yeah, you don't want to make a big deal of it I don't want to upset you yeah. I don't want to you know and I think also the person that you are changes when you're going through that I think that you're very agitated you're on the edge like I, I think I was a different person during that time and okay. not always the 
probably the nicest to be around. I think you change a little bit because you're very snappy, obviously, because I, I guess deep down your body's kind of craving all these things that you're denying it. Yeah. Um, and were so you hungry? Were you like oh, that basic hunger? No, not at, okay. the, at the start. No, I wasn't at all because I was just like I started eliminating things slowly. Okay. I think if I had done it all at the one time, mm. um, then it would be different. But I, I didn't feel hungry, which was something for me which I guess, you know, now that you think about it, it's, it's probably a bad thing mm. that you didn't feel hunger because normally if you feel hungry, you're like, okay, something's not right here, something's got to give. Yeah. But at that time, I was like, my body was functioning, you know, doing hours of uni, um, hours of homework, getting good marks, all those sorts of things like it was beforehand. So I didn't see that yeah. as an issue. But now you've got a boyfriend and you're feeling and getting lots of compliments. Yeah. So it just feels like everything's working really well. Exactly right. Like you're really successful. Yeah, that's exactly right. At the time, I'm like, oh, look at this. This is going to be my new life now. Like... Mm. I'm going to be like, like at the time, everybody else, um, yeah. you know, be, be small, like everyone my age and, you know, I've get, got atten- attention here. Um, not the that idea I'm of being small to me is incredible. Like mm-hmm. what, the more you say that, the more I think, God, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Being a big person and then suddenly being a small person, mm. having S on your clothes. That's exactly tags, it. And having people... Did you, like your boyfriend probably picked you up sometimes? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. That's intense to me. Yeah. I can understand how that could be intoxicating. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Were I you, th- like, afraid of losing that? Was there a fear of getting fat again? Or? Oh, of course, yeah, of course. No. Because I think the, the nature of, you know, my background being European yeah. and having those meals that are very, you know, rich and um, – every social occasion is always around food so you know the eating disorder kind of isolated me from a lot of friendships so you just didn't go i just didn't go didn't go to things made up excuses in the end just stopped getting invited so i lost a lot of friendships during that time which is sad yeah all these people that you go with high to high school with and that you know you try to make an effort afterwards but every activity that people would want to do is around food and I guess, and also when you lose friendships, you lose those people who are paying attention to what's going on with you. Yeah, so that's those right. People, people who that normally say, check. "Hey, Jay, what's going yeah, on?" Yeah, exactly there. right. Yeah. So yeah, that was a that was a sad part about it, but I kind of brought that on myself, I, I suppose. And and my friends were well when I was seeing them, they were really good. Like no one ever said to me, "Hey, what's going on?" or anything like that. Because I think at that time. That would have really upset me. Yeah. If somebody had said the Gosh. only yeah the only comment that I got is somebody my sister was a few year, year levels down from me and she said that someone in her year level came um, said that they saw a photo of me on MySpace back then yeah and said um oh your sister looks dead and that really like wow. killed me inside because yeah. I'm like I've never heard I had it to that point I had never heard anything negative about the way that I had looked with you know, the smaller frame. Mm. And to somebody that, you know, I don't know, but ha- like somebody felt that they needed to go to my sister and say, oh, what's with your sister? She looks dead. Mm. Like that really hurt for me. Particularly as you feel so successful in that time. Yeah, You exactly feel like you're, right. you're killing it. You're That's looking exactly fantastic. Right. Yeah. And yet you're still, still the, you know, people can still make fun of the way you look, yeah. even though you've worked so hard and you're perfect. Yeah, yeah. What I so, probably yeah. would have called you perfect yeah, at the yeah, time, yeah, even yeah. though that's really unhealthy yeah. um, as well. I mean, m- obviously, my attitude to it is desperately unhealthy, yeah. which is why I'm so intrigued to meet you and, and hear about it from your perspective. Yeah. And I didn't even know you are a chubby kid, so yeah. now I feel even more yeah, you know, yeah, connected yeah. to you. Yeah. 
So what happens next? So you're over-exercising. Yep. You, you're gradually cutting down the food. Yep. Everyone says you look brilliant. Yep. Everything's so, going well. Yeah. So then my period stopped. Mm-hmm. So mum's like, all right, you need to go to the doctor. Yeah. So I went to the doctor and they say, you know, generally it happens to gymnasts and, and athletes when they're doing a lot of exercising or if you lose weight in a small period of time, your period stops and um, eventually, you know, you'll get it back. But mm-hmm. nothing really to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> let's do some blood tests, keep an eye on it. So, you know, I did some blood tests and, you know, things were a bit lower than normal and they're like, okay, we want you to do another blood test in a couple of months and we want you to see this speci- specialist to test your, you know, your hormone levels. And so from then it started poking and prodding me every mm. couple of months like somebody wants to see me about something in my body. So right? your mum really was still so attentive and so in tune with you. Like my mum wouldn't have known if I'd had yep. a period or not. But yep. obviously you guys are very close. Very close. Very, very close. So luckily she has started the yep. intervention ball rolling and started paying attention. Exactly right. So uh, to be honest, if it wasn't for my mum, I don't think I'd be here today. Mm. That's, yeah. yeah wow. I, I... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I really wouldn't. And I think in her past, she has gone through the same issues, so could recognize it herself. Really? Yeah. Anorexia? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. So, but hers was a bit, hers was short term and, you know, as soon as she met my dad, like everything started to go away for her. But she recognised it. She recognised it. So, And the my grandma recognised it because she saw it in my, in my mum. Yeah. So they already had alarm bells, but it, as I said, people were very careful to tiptoe around me at that stage. Wow. Hi, I'm Mia Friedman and I have no filter. Not in life, not in work. And especially not on my podcast. Every fortnight, I speak to some of the world's most interesting people about life, their career, and how they feel about things, what makes them tick. From Rosie Batty, I think of Luke. I'm consumed with thoughts of Luke. You know, I dream of Luke, I wake up thinking of Luke, yeah. I'm thinking of Luke, even when I don't realise I'm thinking yeah, of Luke. Yeah. To Terea Pitt. Well, the fly was only five seconds of my life. I don't want to let that five seconds tell me who I am and what I can do and what I, what I can't do in this world. It's the podcast where too much information is never enough. Subscribe to No Filter in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. So doctors start poking so, yeah, around. So do- doctors start poking and prodding. Um, you know, you're a normal person, you're a healthy person, but you need to put on some weight. Mm-hmm. 
So at that stage, I still was happy with what I was doing, just kept going on. And, and it was came to like the three-month point where I needed to have another blood test. So I kind of put it off for a little bit because didn't see the urgency. And one day I thought, okay, I'm just going to go get this done. So we went to the, the blood test, had the blood test done, um, all fine there. Then about three o'clock, four o'clock that night, the home phone rang, which was really strange because no one rings the home phone. I picked it up and it was one of the doctors from the surgery. So not the doctor that I normally see, but somebody else and said, you need to go straight to the hospital. You need to go straight to emergency. Um, you need to have an emergency blood transfusion. Oh my God. So at that time, um, my blood count was down to single digits, which is... What's it meant to be? So I don't know from my height, body weight, what right, it was okay. supposed to be f- from memory, but it is supposed to be obviously in double digits and mine was down to single. So well, had, you were low enough that you needed an urgent yeah, blood transfusion. That's exactly oh right. Oh my God. So I had... Um, so I sent for that at the same time um an iron infusion because my iron was so low like um food or iron tablets weren't going to help this we needed to get the iron infusion in which is similar to a blood transfusion you know intravenous um b12 injections to get that happening um and that was my wake-up call you know it's amazing because as you say that i think back to myself certainly as a teenager and i i would have felt very successful in that moment actually yeah okay you didn't feel any success Not at all. in that okay. i was like this this has got to stop yeah this has got to stop great um yeah but it is sad it that it, it takes <laughs> it well it's sad that it takes something like that yeah. to kind of give you that kick in the butt to be like hey what you're doing is going to kill you yeah like but at least did you really get it that day i really got it that day okay i really got it that day they poked and prodded me like, oh, maybe you have leukemia because <sighs> you've got no, like, because your blood's so low. Maybe it's something like that. And I was petrified. And I didn't admit it to anybody. And, um, you know, when they were even putting the the, uh, the tube in to, yeah. your, to your arm, I was just like, like, I couldn't complain about anything being painful or anything. So I put on this brave front front in front of my whole family because I'm like I did this to myself oh I see so in the beginning they didn't know why you needed blood transfusion and all oh, of that no, they did but I was just trying to put on a brave front like yeah this will be fine right. like you know it's not hurting I'm not worried that I've got somebody else's blood going into me and because you know that unless you've had a blood transfusion it is quite a big deal like yeah. they go through every single risk with you and yeah. it's quite a scary thing and you sit the nurses have to be with you especially for the first you know 15 minutes to make sure that you don't have an allergic reaction to this blood so you know every time i see that people donate blood i'm like oh my god that's such an amazing thing to do because it's people like that that you know have potentially saved my life just from you know doing something that they think oh yeah i just i'll just go and donate blood so that is something that's really important and if you can do it you should do it because you know somebody out there has saved my life from donating that blood were you fainting and stuff like that no i wasn't i wasn't still working out Still working out. I think I just started kind of my transition into um, starting to introduce foods back in my life, but on the side. So I didn't want people to know that I started eating chocolate again. And this is like when the binging was, you know, yes. just creeping up. Okay. And it's all very hidden because I don't want them to be like, oh, well, you haven't been eating chocolate for, you know, quite a few months. Why are you eating chocolate now? So I was doing everything in secret. Kind of like, you know, in your article how you mentioned... Secret eating. Yeah, secret eating. So are you saying that what we've talked about so far was phase one? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, definitely. And so now we go into phase two. Phase two. So, so talk me through that. Phase two, I would describe as the worst part of it. 
So phase one, to be honest, when I was going through it, I didn't even realise, like I wouldn't have said at the time I've got an eating disorder. I would say it's healthy eating, it's a new way of thinking, Um, I'm exercising. I did not see it as a problem at all. People around me, yes, but I didn't see that as a problem. I started seeing it as a problem when I was binge eating. I'm like, what is this? Like I didn't sign up for this. Mm. Like why have all of a sudden I am craving all these foods or eating things that I wasn't even hungry. I remember one day I begged mum to take me to KFC. She took me to KFC. I ate the food and then I wasn't hungry, but afterwards I ate half a block of bread just for the sake of it. What is that? And that night I remember my, I felt like my stomach felt, it was so stretched. I was like, I'm going to die tonight. Like something is going to rupture or pop and and this is not good. Because your body must have still been tiny anyway. But anyone who's ever overeaten knows that feeling of your intestines and everything stretched. That's exactly it. It is an awful feeling. Yeah, and doing it all the time and and sneak eating as well. I remember at the time I was working um, in Collingwood and on my lunch break I would go to the to the the supermarket there and I'd buy a couple of bags of these chocolates and I would eat them in my car by myself so no one would see yep and I remember the person that I was dating at the time uh, on the way home from work I would go past his work and I would say to him can you throw this out because I didn't want my like my family to know that I was doing this but he could know but he could know that was at the time this was yeah at the time that was okay because we had kind of discussed that but, um, yeah, so he, he did know. And, you know, at one point he got to a stage where I'm, I'm not doing this for you anymore. This is the last time I'm going to throw, throw this stuff out. Because an outsider knows it's crazy. That's it. And that it's not helping. But, gosh, secret eating's a whole other thing, isn't it? It is. I have a friend whose mum passed away a couple of months ago. She would have been 70, her yeah. mum, and was a big dieter always yeah. throughout the life, but very overweight. So yeah. the diets weren't working. And when they went through her house, there was wrappers hidden mm. everywhere. It's an old lady who spent her entire life secret eating. Yeah. It's amazing. So it's amazing the things that you can hide and hiding things in tissues to throw them out. You know, at the time, I look back now and I'm just like, why wouldn't I have just gone to a, you know, bin near work or something and Mm. throw it out? But I don't know why, what, I held on to those. Particularly as you think that people would be happy to see you eat. Like I would think your mum would be thrilled to see you eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was scared that they would be happy about that. And they'd be like, oh, yes, she's eating. She's going to put on weight. Oh. That's also like I like obviously my body started changing when, when when that happened and when people used to say to me, Oh, you're looking really good, I used to get so upset. Yeah. Because I'm like, Oh, good means that I've put on weight and I look fat. Yeah. Is that what that you know, is that you're what you're looking saying really me? healthy? Yes, that yes. is the worst. <laughs> you're looking really healthy. Yeah. Oh, that got me. <laughs> that got me. That means fat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so do you? I mean, do you have any? Have you been to psychologists or anything? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do, what do you understand about this phase, about the secret eating and all of that? What yeah. was going on inside you? So I kind of at that point, like I refused to seek help about everything that was going on until the point where I was binge eating, and I was like, I do not have control of this. Mm-hmm. With when you're controlling your food and portion size and everything like that, you're in control. But with binge eating, it's like you're in this zone and you can't go out like no matter even if you're not hungry even if you're like you hide things away yeah. or you put little post-it notes people i read on the internet like put post-it notes where the food is to say don't eat it you know yeah. turn around you're not hungry just drink water whatever it is yeah and i got to a phase of like i need help i know that that that, that thing though it's like sometimes you feel like you've woken up out of a dream and you've eaten something don't you that's exactly right you're like why did i do that yeah why did i do that it's like i've just woke up and here i am in the fridge and i've just eaten half a chicken yeah 
Yeah, why did that's I do e- that? That's exactly right. Okay. And um, so, yeah, I saw like a dietitian and they try to put me on a plan and saw psychologists and, and things like that. Um, but it didn't – like the, they – I think they put it through to different things that have happened in my life. Like I had my um, – my first ever pet passed away and they're like oh maybe it was because of that and or um you know having the relationship and Mm -hmm. and that like eventually breaking down like maybe it was because of that but I knew like that they weren't the reasons for it Mm. and I I don't know I think a lot of girls go through this a lot of girls go through this phase but Mm. I mean the one good thing for me back then is the only social media we really had was MySpace and Facebook now if you go on Instagram the comments there like if you ever like everyone's a fitness expert right yeah and if you ever go and see the comments there the comments kill me from some of the girls like saying about oh they need to lose like this amount of weight or you know i wish i was skinny as them i'm like guys these photos are heavily airbrushed and that's it i had no idea that people were photoshopping their their photos for their socials that's it even my um gym instructor now he just said so many of those girls even the ones that come here that are models and you know they're tiny toned he's like all of their photos get airbrushed and mm. i'm just like oh my god if they're airbrushing yeah then what's the hope for the rest of us oh, right wow. but it's just it's just like now it's really sad that you know i'm glad for me back then instagram wasn't around but i think for a lot of girls now there's a lot of unhealthy yeah images out yeah there. it's funny because i always say instagram's really friendly it's like really great it's better yeah. than twitter but yeah i'm not living in that world yeah wow exactly right so, so you secret eating. This is phase two. Yep. This is when your body just starts craving yep. food. Is even things like that I've never craved before. Like, well, well I, when I was before I, I even got into the dieting, I never felt like chips or lollies. Like I was always a chocolate girl. Yeah. And I'm like, now I want these chips, and now I want lollies, and I want things that I've never craved before. So my body just spiraled out of control. Oh God, what a terrifying feeling. It was, and I, to be honest, like. Uh, it was like I was kind of going through pregnancy like my feet swelled up you know how like when you're pregnant you get all that fluid retention and things like that my feet swelled up my stomach obviously you know had uh, was protruding kind of like um you know when you see like those Ethiopian Ethiopians on the ad like kind of like that and malnourished people that's it and you know clothes were starting to get really tight but I was at that at that phase I was like nope I'm still going to fit into these clothes i don't care what they look like on me i'm you know i'm an extra extra small i'm gonna fit into those clothes (laughs) so there's a lot of delusion in this a lot a lot and always like oh yeah we're gonna get this is gonna stop or if i eat everything i've been craving today then on monday tomorrow's monday so monday i'm gonna start fresh yes and every time i hear people now when they talk about diets and mondays and things like that i'm like that is just setting yourself up for failure yeah because Monday never comes. No, Monday never comes. Or Monday comes and halfway through you stuff it up and you're like, next Monday. I know, you wake up in the fridge again. And That's you go, exactly it. How did I get here? Do this. So then what happens? Then how do we get out of phase two? <sighs> to be honest, yeah, phase two was a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. A lot of talking to different people. Yeah, okay. as I said, like a lot of psychologist sessions and dietitians. And I think, yeah, when I did get to that point where somebody said to me, you know, this is the last time I'm going to hide food for, for you. I kind of thought, all right, this is, this is, if other people are seeing this as an issue, it's yeah. getting a bit out of hand here. Yeah. Did you, were you at the point where people had to sit and watch you eat ever? I've seen those. No. no. Okay. I think for me, my biggest fear, like my sister was a nurse, so she'd w- worked in eating disorder um, oh, wards. Yeah. So my biggest fear was being sent to one of those. Yes. Um, 
so because I heard a lot about them and I thought like when I was in hospital that time when I was getting the blood transfusions I'm like they're not going to let me out of here like they're going to they're going to make me be here until I put on that amount of weight like to be honest like when I back then I don't want to say how much I was because I don't want people to think that that's normal Mm -hmm. um but back then that was there wasn't a heavy weight Mm. but I lost like close to 20 kilos wow from your starting point from my starting point yeah which is a lot a lot yeah and and it wasn't necessary like I don't need to be and you're a small yeah. framed person. Yeah, I'm not I'm not very tall at yeah, all. I'm like, yeah. you know, five foot three. So for me Wow. Yeah. For me that was yeah, that was not good. So when did you start pulling out of phase two? <sighs> I think it just started happening without me realising. Like I felt like I okay, I can I can eat this chocolate, but do you know what? I don't need to eat that loaf of bread because I just today I just don't feel like it. So just gradually it started happening and I became happier when Every, I was like, okay. I, I kind of didn't realise at the time that it was gradually pulling back. I was just not really consciously thinking about it. And, you know, I got to a point where I could eat something, not feel guilty about it. Wow. And don't uh, and don't have to feel like, oh, I need to go to the gym for this or, yeah. you know, I shouldn't have eaten this. Like, mm. And I started feeling that my life was normalising again. Did you, like, did you grow out of it? How would you... Um, I don't think you grow out of it. To be honest, I think once you've had something like an eating disorder, I, th- I honestly believe it sticks with you mm. for the rest of your life. Sometimes I do something and I'm like, ooh, this isn't good. Yeah. You know, you have something and you're like, oh, well, I've already had chocolate, so I might as well go and have yeah. a burger for dinner. <coughs> and then you're like, yeah. oh, that's not the right way to think. And you kind of like, you know, now I can recognise if there's ever an unhealthy thought and you kind of reel that back in. Mm. But Does your mum ever talk about it? Has it ever popped back into her? Oh yeah, Life. I think it bring it, it everything kind of um kind of get, gets blamed on maybe the the issues with foods like um the way that I am or you know even now going to appointments um and seeing like different levels of with um my liver reading like there's it's done some damage some permanent damage and right. it's kind of like well if you didn't do that to your body you wouldn't have had this now so <laughs> how do you feel about that Oh, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It is really sad. Um, but I think... I mean, it's sad that it's happened, that you have problems like that. But also, how do you feel about your mum saying uh, that? I, th- I think a lot of people don't... Even if you you do have it, you don't understand it. I think, like, for example, like, my especially males. Mm-hmm. Males really don't get it. So, like, on the way to the hospital when I was... Um, had to get that emergency transfusion my, my dad didn't speak to me the whole way to the hospital because he was he, he very much internalizes everything uh-huh. but he was you could see he was really upset and, and mad at and you yeah 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 and my sister didn't understand it too and people would take jokes like oh because you're anno or this and that yeah. and like even when people say things now like it does you know y- you still feel it even yeah. if you're not you're like well i'm not but yeah, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, and I guess your mum says it to you. I'm thinking just to remind you never to do it yeah. again. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely coming from from a loving yeah. place. It's nothing malicious or anything like that. But mm. yeah, it, it, I think the thing that I've got to realize is that when it's happening to you, it's not just happening to you. It's happening to everyone around you. Like yeah. it affects the whole family, yeah. whether you, you you can see that or not. And I don't think I realised that until afterwards when, you know, you read books about it or you hear from or you read online and hear other people's experiences, seeing their sisters go through it or their mm. friends go through it. And you're like, oh, wow, like 
my family must have felt like this and this at yeah. the time. Yeah. Because so it is kind of, it is selfish disorder, isn't it? It Which is. is not to, you know, it is. Make it you is feel bad definitely, about no, no, no. It is definitely a selfish yeah. thing. Yeah. But I think, like, I think the biggest thing with it is a lot of people don't realise that it's happening to them when it's happening. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you say? Let's talk about other people who are listening. Yeah. Who maybe have an eating disorder and don't realise it yet. What are the warning signs? What do you think? I think. Definitely um, not socialising with people mm. or, you know, if somebody, if you're in a social circle and everyone's eating and this one person's not, I mm. think that would be a definite alarm bell or if they're spending a lot of time at the gym. Yeah. But the thing is, the, 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 I guess the issue is how do you approach it? Because I know if someone had approached it with me back mm. then, I would have been mad at them and, and not wanted to discuss with them and at not all. want to see them again. Exactly right. Yeah. And be like, oh, that person's not my friend if they're, you know, thinking that I'm like that. Yeah. But I think now there's a lot of resources online and you've got like the Butterfly Foundation yeah. and, and other um, people to, to help you um, out with it. But I do definitely think you need a really good support system around you because, you know, you know even that time... That if, my do- mum didn't say, let's go to the doctors to sort out. About your period. Yeah. Then, you know, then you I would have just... been on the no, schedule. Then I would have just... Would have just... Probably just gone to, to, to die. I don't know what would have yeah, happened. what would have really. happened if you hadn't had that blood transfusion that day? I wouldn't have had enough blood to survive. They said I'm very lucky that they picked that up. Wow. You would have just... You would have collapsed or died in yeah, your sleep? Yeah, probably something like that. And that's so scary to think about now, right? Isn't that in- How old are you now? I'm 27. So wow. this all happened when I was like started when I was 19. Wow. How's your reproductive health? It's unaffected or? Do, uh, well, I had to be, I've got to be on the pill to get my period back. Okay. But this could have issues for like fertility wise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we're not going to know until. Until you try. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, do you have a partner now? No. Okay. So, and I'm, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound like you're going through a, you know, well, 27 is that age. You're, yeah. uh, you know, sat in return and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's right. a great age to kind of, I don't know, grow into yourself and decide who you want to be. That's exactly right. Who but do you want to be? What's what's the future for you? I'm very work-driven. So, you know, I want to climb that corporate ladder. Yeah. And that's something that's always kind of been there for me. But I also like even doing this, like and reaching out to you is, I just want to be able to help other people that are in this situation because a lot of girls, like I just felt like I wish I could speak to somebody about it that has done it and has been through it. Yeah. Not somebody that's going through it now, yeah. but has done it, been through it and say to me, do you know what? There is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You're going to get through this. Like yeah. it's going to take time and I can't tell you what the time frame is, but you're going to get through it on the other side and you're going to be a better person for it and, you know. Yeah. And I think fundamentally you're going to get through it and you're going to feel good about it. I yeah. think the idea of don't worry, you will eat again is like if you don't want to eat, that's the worst thing you want to yeah. hear. Don't tell me that, but tell me that I will eat again and like it yes and yes. not be stressed about food all the time exactly right. psychologically you can overcome it yeah exactly right but it definitely takes a support system mm. so you know if people do see that that you know people that they love or that they know that are going through this you know yeah. do a bit of research on it and find what works best for some you know for each individual like i think for me definitely pointing it out was not going to help but mm. other people Maybe that's the wake-up call they need. Mm. Um, or if you are going to say it, you've just got to tread really carefully yeah. around that kind of issue. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to share the story and I hope that even one person listening, you know, can know that everything will be okay and, yeah. you know, they'll get there. I'm sure they will. You've done yeah. a good thing. Thank you so much. You've done a good thing for me. And as I said in the article, like you and I are at the opposite ends of the spectrum, but I just realised finally that you're not my enemy, yeah. you know, because <laughs> yeah, I did yeah, think yeah. that for a long time. Yeah, I thought yeah, girls yeah. like you were my enemy. It was no. like you were succeeding where I was failing and everyone thought that you were the ideal and yeah. that, you know, you were just so good at being thin. Yeah, that was yeah, your yeah, biggest yeah, problem, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been actually really moving for me to sit here and, and hear you talk about the same issues, yep. the same things we're doing. That's exactly so weird. right. That's exactly right. That's oh, scary part about it. getting a bit teary thinking about it. Thank yeah. you so much. No, thank you. Thanks, Michelle. That's my conversation with Jay. Isn't she just so lovely? I had a good cry after that chat, actually, for a lot of reasons. So um, thank you so much for that, Jay. I know you'll be listening and I appreciate it more than you could ever imagine. Thanks so much for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee, Stories of the Guts and the Glory of Life. I think you'd agree, Jay's is a ripper and uh, ongoing and I hope that she becomes an incredibly successful businesswoman and gets up the top of that corporate ladder that she is scaling with all of her tenacity. She's a very tenacious woman. If you have a story you think would make a great podcast, please let me know on Twitter, Michelle underscore Laurie, or on Facebook, Michelle Laurie. I love hearing from you and I love hearing uh, suggestions for further podcasts. Thank you so much to everyone who jumped on iTunes and gave us a nice rating so that other people can discover us. Okay, I'm raving because I'm emotional since my conversation with Jay. I'll go. See you in two weeks. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 